the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Hour 2 of the Pastor Scott Show. Today is... Today's open line Friday, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. We'll take your calls on any subject at all. That's what we do on Friday, so you can change the subject. You can, uh, you know, we're talking about something, and you're like, I got something else I want to talk about. Well, today's the day we'll let you change the subject, or maybe you didn't get through on something else. We'll talk about news issues or something that is in your you know, Bible, a question about Christianity or spirituality or something that you want to talk about, and um, whatever's on your mind, whatever floats your boat, or you can just continue with the conversation, 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. We take the, uh, you know, the issues of the day and uh, look at them. One of the things that's happening today is uh, Hillary Clinton made a a comment that is uh creating a lot of buzz. I want to talk about that for a second and and take it in a particular direction. Uh this is what she had to say. Very strong partisans in both parties in the past. Uh, And we had very bitter battles over all kinds of things, gun control and climate change and the economy and taxes. But there wasn't this little tail of extremism waving, you know, wagging the dog of the uh, Republican Party as it is today. Mm -hmm. And sadly, so many of those extremists, those mega extremists, um, take their marching orders from Donald Trump, who has no credibility left by any measure. He's only in it for himself. He's now defending himself in civil actions and criminal actions. And when do they break with him? You know, because at some point, you know, maybe there needs to be a formal deprogramming of the cult members. But Whoa, that's the that's the part at the end there. You know, a lot of it's politics and Hillary's going to say that. And there's people on the right who say, you know, those kinds of things. But that's the, the language at the end is what is blowing up. It, you know, maybe there needs to be a formal deprogramming of the cult members, but something needs to happen. And how do you- formal deprogramming? That is, that's the question right there. Formal deprogramming. You know, and and you know, I don't know. She's just she's just talking, right? She does that. But what bothered me about that is the word formal. Formal deprogramming. Like that's something that gets talked about, and you know, people talk about, if you get into political discussions on different sides, people will say, well, the other side's brainwashed and there's that kind of language. But we need to be careful, especially somebody like Hillary Clinton, who's been around, who knows things, formal deprogramming means something, right? That is the thing that is, that we should all be against, the idea of indoctrination coming from the government, coming from some kind of formal, involuntary source. There's a history of that in the world, okay? And, you know, we think about that with the Nazis, or we think about it with, uh, you know, Stalin and the communists, and that all fits. Uh, but, you know, the Maoist revolution is probably one to study a little bit. There are because part of that was exactly that, a a formal deprogramming, 
okay, of people. So the what was going on in Maoist China in the revolution was Mao would try to re-educate his people, and it's extraordinarily violent. Probably Mao, some people would say, ha- is the most murderous dictator ever, worse than Stalin or Hitler. That and for whatever reason, he still gets put on T-shirts, right? We don't have the same view of him for some reason um, as we have from others. And it's a, it's a big deal to say that. And maybe Hillary didn't really mean, you know, we're going to have a government thing. Although I would point out that, that the idea that it's just people on the right, and there are. There are people on the right, and I, and I get it. There are people – there's – you know, you've probably heard when it comes to Donald Trump, uh, Trump derangement syndrome. There's Trump derangement on both sides. And one side, it's Trump. Everything Trump does or says is always wrong, right? Everything is just wrong. And any conspiracy theory about what Donald Trump might be trying to do it must be true. That's the conspiracy. That's the derangement system on the left. On the right, there are some people who everything Donald Trump ever does is right. And every way he does it is right. And there's just no arguing. You can't do that, right? I get that. But the, the idea of formal deprogramming of people, particularly when we are in an age where we are doing battle about indoctrination right now in our schools. I'm going to give you an example in a few minutes of, of something that's going to happen next week. That's It's a big deal. Is kind of scary. And that's, it's just something we don't – you know, that when we talk about how we've educated people, we don't educate young people on – the the corruption and the evil regimes of the past well enough, particularly when it comes to communist regimes. If you're younger, I'm just really curious, you know, what were you taught? Now, I'm old enough to have grown up at a time where the Cold War was still a thing. I grew up in a time where, at least until the third grade, we had nuclear war drills in my school, meaning you would hide under the desk and they would say, when you see the bright flash, you know, you hide under the desk, which is kind of funny because I think if you're, you're close enough to see the flash, you're probably not going to remember anything after that. But, uh, you know, that was a part of it. And I grew up in Palmdale, right? So there was all this, you know, Edwards Air Force Base in Los Angeles. These are targets. And that was, you know, something you remember as a kid and you just, you dealt with it. Um, we lived in a time when there was communist countries, time where you have – and you still have that today, by the way, where you have – if you remember when the Berlin Wall came down. I saw the Berlin Wall in place, not just at the uh, Reagan or Nixon library or in a park somewhere where they've got a piece of it. I saw it being functional, keeping people out, and you never forget that if you did that. I got to go to East Berlin one time when it was really East Berlin in a tour. And what they would do is they would get you on a separate bus. We were on a different tour in England – or not England. <laughs> Somebody's going to say, you idiots, not England – in Germany. And uh, they put us on a bus. They brought in a bunch of guys with guns to uh, check us all out, pat us all down, make sure we weren't sneaking in stuff. And then they brought in their own tour guide who toured us around East Berlin. I was in high school. And I'll never forget it. I'll never forget how the mood immediately changed when you went through the Checkpoint Charlie into that country. I'll never forget all the propaganda that his high school students were getting from this uh, large man they brought in to tell us all about it. He's telling us, you know, how great everything is, but you're looking around and what you actually saw. This is 1987 or 8. Piles of rubble from World War II that still hadn't been cleaned up yet. 
bullet holes in the side of the building. And then he was bragging about how they had 10, I'll never forget this, they had 10 building projects. And this was part of the influence of Mikhail Gorbachev and some of the changes that he was bringing around. He was the the uh, leader of the Soviet Union. And uh, it's interesting to me that you're in another country, East Germany, but uh, it's Gorbachev who's calling the shots. That's why Ronald Reagan, by the way, standing outside the Berlin Wall, we were there right after he said that. You could still feel it in the air, uh, whatever year that was. You know, he said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Why didn't he address the leader of East Germany? Because that leader was a puppet. He addressed Gorbachev. Everybody in the world knew it was Gorbachev is the thing. Um, We go in there. He bragged about these 10 building projects. And I remember seeing them. And I remember this guy standing next to a cement mixer looking depressed. I don't see too many depressed construction workers. I usually see, and there was hardly any on this project. It was a multi-story building being built. And he was the only guy I saw even working there. And I guess it takes years or in that system. It was taking years to put up the buildings. And they had special places for us to go that were kind of colorful, some ice cream shop. Well, me and a couple of buddies decided to sneak off um, from the tour group. And we went into other parts of East Berlin. And as we walked down these streets... It was incredible what we experienced. People looked at us in fear. They looked and they went the other direction. Shop owners closed their shops as we walked in to try to go in. They literally turned the signs around, locked the doors. One place closed these, uh, you know, what are they called? Shutters outside the building because a couple of high school boys are coming up there and we're just not allowed to shop there. And they, these people were terrified. I mean, it was palpable. And so we worked our way back to where we were allowed to have ice cream and everything was happy and colorful and it was fake. We knew it was fake. We knew that we could feel the oppression. We could feel it. To this day, I'll tell you what, the first time I felt that since my trip in there in the 1980s was during the COVID and the shutdowns here. Somebody gave Christy and I a hotel night stay shortly after the hotel's sort of opened up. Remember, they opened up, but there were all these terrible rules, and it was weird, and the restaurants were still closed. And we go into this place. There's only one person working in the lobby. Uh, You know, it's a hotel where there's normally a lot of stuff going on. Nobody's there. Everybody's downcast. There's no customer service. It was weird, and it felt the same. Uh, I'm telling you, you, for what worries me, if you're younger and somehow you have a romanticized version of Marxism or communism or even socialism to, to that degree, which all leads to it, uh, you have not been taught history. You have not been taught the murderous regimes that that leads to. See, the idea of some utopia, the idea of the, the family you know, being broken apart, which is Marxism, which is taught there because the family is what is keeping rich from poor, and there's a whole lot of theory about that. There's this pie-in-the-sky notion of this utopia of a system where the workers are treated fairly and there's, everything is right. And uh, to, what you're not taught is history has shown in every regime everywhere, to get there, you have to murder everybody who doesn't agree with you, that you have to destroy thought that goes against what you think. That's why it's a big deal when a Hillary Clinton, a figure like that, even if it's just sort of a mistake, you know, misspeaking, she says, you know, uh, something about we need to have a formal deprogramming of people who don't agree with us, you know, or even people who have bad views, Because what happens in the programming is, you know, what happened in Maoist China is you had mass mobilization of of young people and 
military troops tasked with enforcing these principles that were Marxist, that were against the family, that were against having kids, that was against marriage, it was against traditional roles of husbands and wives, all of this stuff that we're, we're experiencing right now. Most of you who are kind of in that path, you're probably not even thinking about the Marx people, but the, uh, the, your teachers are. People teaching you that, they are thinking that, and most of them are open about that. And I always think, you know, the biggest murderous regimes in the history of mankind are these people. Why would we follow the, whatever problems we have, whatever problems there are with greed and capitalism and, and all the stuff, fine, that's for real. Let's deal with it. But to go to a system that has always shown itself to be horrific, re-education camps, China still is doing that. They're putting the Muslims in Western China in that, the Uyghurs right now. Re-education camps, you're not allowed to be Muslim. You're not allowed to do this stuff. You know, you're not allowed to think this. It goes against the resol- re- the revolution. Struggle sessions were public interrogations and verbal attacks on people perceived as enemies of the communist revolution. This was a practice that was formal. It was real. It was aimed at forcing people to confess their bad views, whatever they were, um, and break down any ideological resistance. That happened you know, propaganda, indoctrination in the schools, redistribution of property, censorship, control of information, all of that coming from the state, uh, that's communist China. That's the Maoist revolution. Uh, this, by the way, is why even in countries today, we, why do we have, you know, when we talk about the border issues going on right now, there's a lot of talk about Venezuelans. Why are the Venezuelans here? Because, uh, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, I thought Venezuela was the spot. Hugo Chavez and the socialist reforms and how great this is. And we were kind of playing footsie with them on that uh, in the uh, administration that we had back then. And it is a complete disaster and it is not a surprise. So when we hear that comment you know, I'm willing to say people just say stupid things. Uh, that's fine. But coming from somebody who should know better, uh, it's not okay. And bigger than Hillary Clinton, uh, unless she's running for president, which she might be. Because, you know, what happens when Biden drops out all of a sudden in June or July and it's the Democratic convention and they need somebody? They're going to pick who? Gavin Newsom? He's got a lot of problems, you know, running for president right now. Uh, The governor of Michigan, they keep uh, touting her name. I'm blanking on her name right now. Governor Whitmer. She's got the same problems as uh, Gavin Newsom. You could tap Hillary Clinton, couldn't you? She's younger than Trump. She's younger than uh, Biden by a lot. She, you know, has experience. She could come in and save the day. Do you think that's why she's out there? I bet she is. All right, 888-528-2557. It's Open Line Friday. You can continue the conversation or you can change the subject. Let me go to Noel in Los Angeles. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Thank you, Pastor Scott. Um, boy, when I listened to that clip, the first words out of my mouth were, wow. It's a That's stunning a, wow. thing to say. It's a stunning thing for stunning. anybody to say. And, and you know, this is, this is the thing. We have uh, representatives and senators in our Congress, and when things like this are said, it just keeps us divided. It, it you know, I, I'm not going to go Democrat or Republican or anything like that. I, it's just there's been yeah. disdain for Trump for who knows how long, and it's like we are constantly being divided. It's it's amazing. Well, when you get to division in the he, sense where we're going to, we're we're just not even going to listen to the other side. Yeah, there's things that happen exactly. on the left and right in that conversation, right? There are there are things 
that we should be very concerned about simply because, in fact, if you were to ask me what's the biggest thing that needs to be addressed in our country right now, it is the division for the simple fact that a divided house cannot stand, that all of these issues are serious that people are talking about. They need to be resolved. But the way we're divided about things that nobody's ever been divided about in some ways before, uh, that is incredibly dangerous. It's weakening us at all points. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree with you. Yeah. And then the other comment, I don't, I, I'm sure you have other callers, was um, the rebuilding of the wall, the executive order. Yeah. <laughs> to me, to me, it's like a little, a, a, too little, too late. And all I can think is that will be a platform that whoever runs on saying, oh, we rebuilt the wall. Well, you know, what what the president is saying uh, or is hearing from other Democrats in Chicago in particular, got a letter from Governor Pritzker and what he's hearing from the mayor of New York, the governor of New York, is that this is not sustainable. And I'm sure that behind the scenes, uh, Mr. President, we're going to lose this election if this isn't fixed. And so you got to fix it somehow. And and, uh, it's kind of uh, interesting where the memo went out and said, uh, we're building the wall to uh, keep people out. And then they said, no, that's not why we're doing it. We're doing it because we have no choice because the money has been allocated. Come on. Uh, Yeah, exactly. I agree. Come on. I said this yesterday, and, uh, and thank you for your call, Noel. Thanks for calling the Pastor Scott Show. I said this yesterday that there is a lot of room for debate left and right and wherever you are on the spectrum about how many, how we should let people in, how many people, how often, who, what are the conditions, what about their, what's the status of people who are in the country? You know, there's a million debates that should happen that if they happen in a healthy way, um, people will be fiercely opposed to each other in different ways, but we'll probably come to a really good solution because that's what happens when you have honest conversation. But what you can't debate is whether or not to have border or enforce the laws that are in place. You have to, in any country, you have to enforce the laws that are already in place. If you don't like the laws, well, then change the laws. But you have to enforce laws that are in place, and you have to have borders. Every country has borders. You, it's, it's the chaos that we're feeling in all the cities that is impacting so many people uh, is, is enormous, and it's not compassionate. That compassion is right. It's something that we need to be feeling for people south of the border and people who live here. We've got to deal with that. But you can't do it by uh, ignoring laws. You can't do it by saying you're a sanctuary city. And then when people show up, I guess you're not a sanctuary city, right? It's fake. You you can't do it. Um, and I think most people, I think most of us left and right, I think we agree. I think we, w- I think almost all regular Americans, whether you're Democrats or Republicans or, or some other party, I'll bet that we would agree on control the borders and then we can argue about, you know, what to do about immigration and have a policy and what's the right thing to do. And I'll bet most of us would actually come to a a reasonable and practical agreement. And it's probably already what the laws are to a lot of extent. Uh, 888-528-2557. This is the Pastor Scott Show. It's Open Line Friday. We'll talk about whatever it is you'd like to talk about. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. Eli and Vista, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hey, Pastor Scott. I I, I guess I'm switching up the topic here. That's okay. That's what today is about. You get to do that. Yeah, back to a biblical question. Um, So I guess my, my question would be is, why does the church keep on seeing Judas as an evil person if he was always part of the plan? 
when God chose Judas to be one of the apostles from the beginning, he knew that he was going to betray him. Even on that night, he knew he was going to betray him. He needed Judas to betray him, so that way the rest of us would be saved. Mm-hmm. So he was always part of the plan. So I, I just don't understand why he always gets a, I guess, a knock. or because like Does Judas get a, a bum rap, you know, for, a, for that? A bum, a bum rap because yeah. I, 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 I look at it, God didn't have to pick Judas from the get-go. He picked Judas knowing that Judas was going to betray him. He needed Judas to betray him so it can set the wheels in motion so the rest of us can be yeah. Well, on the on the second part of what you say, I don't think God needed Judas. There could have been another way. I mean, I'm sure those people arresting Jesus would have found him eventually. You know, when the sun well, came I up, they... I kept on praying from, to, to our Father to say, is there any other way? And yeah. So he... Was, no, right? Well, I think he was referring to being crucified for our sins and the pain that that was going to require. But uh, back to the main point, you know, it's prophesied that he would be betrayed, 30 pieces of silver, all of those things. So it was known, certainly, that Judas would. You know, I would argue that even though Judas didn't, it was it was predicted that Judas would do that, that to certain degrees, and, and people will argue about how much free will we have, particularly when mm-hmm. there is, you know, does God, you know, cho- choose all of that? Did he create Judas for that specific purpose? Or did he create Judas right. and give him free will, but knew that he picked, you know, it's a, it's a question I think that is in some sense hard to answer because we can never be in the mind of God to see how he would really see that in time and space. You have to yeah, remember that yeah. God is outside of time and he's outside of the way we think. And, you know, yeah. I usually I usually rest in the idea that whatever God did, I believe God is fair and that he is just and that if we could understand it fully, we wouldn't think it's yeah. unfair. I would say the difference yeah, I, between Judas and Peter is that Peter repented and Judas did not. Um, oh, okay. And I mean, that's, 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 the, that's the thing is that we have a call to repentance. Right. And yeah. Judas didn't do that. And it's a terribly sad story. And I don't, you know, I mean, history calls him, you know, the betrayer. He'll always be known as that. Yeah. But but the reason Peter's not always known as the denier is because he repented. He said he was sorry and Jesus forgave him. Yeah. And I think if yeah. it was the plan or if it was allowable, however, if Judas would have said, I'm sorry, uh, he would have been welcomed back in the same way that Peter was. Right. And we wouldn't see him that way. And I, I think, okay. yeah, that's what I think. Eli, thanks for your call. i got to go to a break. It's Open Line Friday. We'll talk about anything you'd like to talk about, 888-528-2557. You know, Doubting Thomas, is uh, he gets a bum rap, too, because really he's Thomas the realist when you think about it, right? I'm not going to believe that until I see the guy. I want to see the holes in his hands. Okay, that's the way most of us would have responded. And Thomas is the same guy who earlier said, hey, Jesus, we'll go to town with you and we'll die with you. Thomas was actually pretty brave. Um, and uh, Thomas ended up being a pretty good missionary, uh, history tells us. All right, 888-528-2557. You can follow us at Pastor Scott Show on your socials or watch us at kkla.com. This is the Friday edition of Open Line Friday. Pastor Scott Show will be right back. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. The most critical time to be there is grades five through eight because you want to catch kids when they're starting puberty because that's the time in which identity formation is central to their lives. However, early intervention is key. 
So we actually are designing a kindergarten through grade two curriculum this summer. And I will tell you one of the most rewarding experiences, Nikki, uh, we were in a local school system in an elementary school and uh, we were in grades three, four, and five. And after we were there, um, five students went to the principal's office and came out. So we are really intentionally going into younger and younger grades. That is the director of an organization called High Tops, which is an LGBTQ plus organization that empowers youth, according to their website, with sex education, uh, social support and affirming communities. So they're doing a lot of the sex ed for little kids. You heard her say they are doing uh, sex ed for kindergarten through second grade, five, six and seven year olds and uh, encouraging them to come out. Next week is National Coming Out Day and week, by the way. You should know this if you go to a public school or maybe you go to a uh, a private school where they're doing the same thing. And uh, LAUSD and uh, many other school districts are participating in the whole week of action. And there's a toolkit. And you can find that online, the National Coming Out Day toolkit. It's got a rainbow with a fist in the air. And the fist is obviously a little kid's fist, not an adult's fist. It's a little kid. And, uh, you know, I've got little kids. That little kid is probably seven or eight. That's the way that little fist looks. And uh, the toolkit has been created to provide educators a variety of sample lesson plans and activities uh, for coming out week. And uh, so the week of action includes in the toolkit an identity map activity to prepare students to think critically about identity and intersectionality. Second graders, (laughs) you know, I... Uh, it's got an art project. Do you do that art project with uh, with macaroni? You know how do you how do you do that art project in the second grade about uh, your your gender or sexual uh, identity or things like that? Daily quotes, which can be read during school. Wide announcements in class, uh, Monday through Friday daily. There's a whole lot of stuff in there. You should know as parents that uh, next week is indoctrination week uh, of all kinds of things for your kids in the public school, particularly LAUSD. And uh, maybe it's a good week to not bring your kids to school. Maybe it's a good week to say, you know what, maybe homeschooling is for us. And uh, it's a good week to pray for your teachers who are in the midst of the who are Christians, who are in the midst of uh, all of that and trying to figure out how to handle this. Uh, It's a pretty big deal. And do not think for a minute that your child is not being forced with all kinds of propaganda. We talked about that in the first uh, uh, segment because of uh, Hillary Clinton's unfortunate remark about needing to go uh, reprogram people who don't think the right way. And uh, that's already happening, though, on the left. It's happening in our schools. That's why your school board meetings are a big deal. It's why you need to pay attention. I think that in the upcoming election, people pretty soon are going to talk about the president and all of that. It's your local stuff. It's your local school board. It is your county board of supervisors. It's your city council. Everybody needs to be on top of it. What are they teaching the kids? Where is the money going? Where is the influence of unions? What is happening? Where is the national audience dealing with this? Anyway, you should be aware of this. If you, because I think there's too many people who just think, ah, it's nothing. Ah, it's just a day. It's not a thing. No, there is. It is pushing. Uh, so Monday, uh, the the trans thing too, by the way, is the biggest thing. It's not even like gay and lesbian stuff that it used to be. It's uh, Jazz Jennings, who is a YouTube star and spokesperson for uh, trans. Her lessons are. And I'm reading right from the LAUSD manual here. 
uh, introducing gender, kindergarten through second grade, and could be adapted for third to fifth grade, but the agenda is the, the stuff is for kindergarten to second grade. I don't want my kindergartner, second grader learning anything about sex or sex identity. I don't, heterosexual stuff, nothing. I don't want them to know anything about it. That shouldn't be what's happening in the schools. And, and uh, the next day is uh, K through three and K through five school way display. And they've got a, uh, uh, somebody who is a, a drag queen on there. Wednesday, you've got Elliot Page, who uh, used to, I think is a trans, wants to be a, uh, a guy. What's her name? Her Elliot, what was her name? Ellen Page was her name. Now she goes by Elliot. And uh, grades three through five. Uh, this is every day of the week. K through three can be adapted through four through five on Thursday. It's a crayon story. And uh, it's all about somebody who identifies as uh, gay, female, non-cisgender, and a Christian, by the way. So they're going to throw in some uh, interesting theology there to your K through third grader, to your five, six, seventh, and eighth grade, or not eighth grade, eight years old. LAUSD, do not think, that's the biggest school union, I think, in the country, or school district in the country, pretty sure. Uh, You can go find it. Uh, Maybe we'll just link to it on there. Take your kids out of school next week. They shouldn't be there. I think it's a good week to think about um, what to do for your kids. They're going to be taught, and even in your private school, you need to go ask what your private school's thinking about. Uh, And we're talking about not even high schoolers here. This, This document is about little kids, little kids, kindergartners. I do not even want, I remember when my son, James, he started to figure out that there's something that's not working with uh, however uh, women get pregnant. And uh, somehow I remember where I was too. We were in the car and he's talking to me and I, he was maybe seven or eight and uh, thinking, you know, hey, but he didn't know anything about sex or anything. And I didn't want to have that conversation with him. You know, I had that conversation with him uh, in the fifth grade. Uh, maybe it was the sixth. I think it was at the end of fifth grade. We had that conversation and he giggled all the way through it. And he was ending up standing on his head in the passenger seat of the car. He just didn't want to deal with it. Right. Um, you to force that conversation and it's grotesque. Some of it, even the heterosexual straight stuff to little kids, it's wrong. And it is what your government school is doing. You should be aware of that. And uh, I think you should take your kid out. I think you should tell your school why you're not bringing your kid next week. They don't get paid, by the way, if your kid doesn't show up. They can do the homework, the math, and the science, and the reading, and all of that. And uh, maybe while you're home, you Google some uh, homeschooling curriculum and uh, think about that uh, if you can. And if you can't, and that's the thing. I know people say, oh, you got to do private school. You got to do the the homeschool. I know a lot of you can't. You're a single parent or both parents work. You're struggling to make it. There's a reality to that. Uh, I get it. Uh, pray for your Christian teachers. Go to christianeducators.org. It's a great organization. Send your teachers to it for help, christianeducators.org. We had um, uh, David Schmoose, the director of that, on on, uh, Wednesday, and uh, you can check that out. It's a huge deal. It's little kids we're talking about, little, little kids. That is uh, what we're talking about before with the re-education of uh, Maoist China. You, you deal with the little kids. You have to get the little kids. That's what this lady who's the director of education for ITOP said. Listen to this again. The most critical time to be there is grades five through eight because you want to catch kids when they're starting puberty. You want to catch kids when they're starting puberty. Why? 
because of the trans agenda, because as soon as you can start shooting them up full of hormones and start getting them to think about the surgeries and put on the binders and all of that stuff, uh, the better. Because that's the time in which identity formation is central to their lives. Because when they go through puberty, they'll find out they're probably, in most cases, straight. In some cases, they're gay, but uh, they're not going to deal with all the other stuff most of the time. However, early intervention is key. So we actually are designing a kindergarten through grade two curriculum this summer. And that is what the LAUSD is adopting. And I will tell you, one of the most rewarding experiences, Nikki, uh, we were in a local school system in an elementary school. And uh, we were in grades three, four, and five. And after we were there, um, five students went to the principal's office and came out. Three, four, and five. So third graders went to the principal's office after their meeting and said, hey, I'm gay, or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's not funny, but that's, that's what's happened. I'm sorry, you're eight years old. You don't, you don't know anything about anything. You don't. So we are really intentionally going into younger and younger grades. Yeah, intentionally. That's the key word. This is not a secret. This is not some weird thing. This is, you know, that's just uh, in some weird school district somewhere in some, you know, small town. This is happening. It is spiritual. It is for real. And uh, it's about kids. It's about kids. I think most of us agree. You know, most people even who might consider themselves part of the LGBTQ plus or whatever that is community, all the letters, uh, I think most of you agree too. By the way, this is a small group of people who is pushing something on kids, and they've been doing it a long time, and uh, it's wicked. You don't bring this stuff to little kids, even the straight stuff. You don't. We used to call that abuse, even if it's straight, right? Even if you're just teaching regular, old-fashioned um, men and women uh, doing what they do to a kindergartner, you you. There's just so much of that that's a trouble. All right, I got to take a break. I know it's Open Line Friday and a bunch of calls. Uh, Frederick and Ted and Jackie and others, I'll get to your calls as we come back. You can follow us on uh, social media. This is the Pastor Scott Show. You can follow me at, at Pastor Scott Show, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Pastor Scott Show. You can also watch us live on kkla.com, and you can get the podcast of the show by looking for the Pastor Scott Show. We'll be back uh, for your calls as we finish up with Open Line Friday as the Friday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. It is Open Line Friday. Got a bunch of calls here. Let me get to them here. Let's go to uh, Frederick and Downey. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Pastor Scott, God bless you, and thank you for being who you are in Christ. Well, thank you, Frederick. What's... I'm a born-again Christian. I'm an ex-Catholic. I'm 61 and a Republican. And I'm a big history and geography buff. And it is important to me as an American that the United States continues to help Ukraine win the war, as well as NATO allies and other non-NATO allies. And I'll tell you why, Pastor, I'm afraid to see that Russia may want to have another Soviet Union bloc the way it was in 1997. I don't want to see that because I look at that as a big problem for not just Europe, 
but for us in the world, I don't want to see Russia be strong again. I don't want another Soviet Union bloc. And this very much concerns me, sir. It does. Yeah, we talked about that earlier in the, the hour. And, uh, you know, there's I think that there's a lot of question about how that money is getting spent and all of that. But most people and I would agree, you've got to stop tyrants. And Putin has already said he wants to rebuild the Soviet Union effectively. So it's uh, and all those countries are, are worried. There's problems, you know, and Europe has to step up. That's another piece is that it can't be just the United States. It has no. to be European countries, and they are. They're, they're a part of it, but they need to be a much bigger, a much bigger deal going on. It's a, any kind of war like this is very dangerous because it can spill over and become something else. And uh, you know, that's, the, that's something that you know from history. And, and let me tell you one thing, Pastor, here. Honestly, I really believe God is hearing our prayers, and I do not believe— it's just me. I'm not God. I'm just another human being. I don't believe the Lord's going to let Ukraine lose this war at all. I don't believe he's going to allow Russia to become powerful and take over countries. Well, I don't believe it's going to It depends. You know, it's, uh, I appreciate your call, Frederick. I want to make sure I've got time for other people who've been waiting. You know, it's a big subject. But, you know, there's another argument, Frederick, that says that in the future at some point, and it all depends, you've got to be careful about connecting the dots, but there's interesting prophecies about what does happen in the end times and what happens with armies coming from the north through essentially probably Ukraine on the way down to Israel. And, you know, the idea that, um, you know, if we're closer to that time right now, then uh, I'm not sure that they are going to win that war. That's There's some fascinating stuff in Ezekiel and other books that we usually skip, and I don't have time to get into that right now. But, you know, the Lord's plan ultimately has the world focused on Israel. In fact, all the conflicts that we have, eventually everything comes back to that. Why? Because, you know, what? why should anybody care? It's a small country. They've got some fruit, and they, they manufacture diamonds and all of that. But why is it such an a important country to all of the history of the world? And the reason is, is because the Bible's true. It's because what you read about in the scripture about Israel and about God's promises to them and the church and what Jesus did and all that, all that's true. And when you realize that's true, all the news makes sense. And even these wars actually begin to make sense. 888-528-2557. I got a bunch of calls. Let me try to get to them as I can. Ted in LA, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Pastor Scott, thank you so much for your service, Ted, City of the Angels. I just wanted to comment on... Um, you know, the environmental disaster that the left has put on us with, uh, you know, um, you got all of these propellers in the middle of the desert that kill our, our birds of prey. Um, you, ha- you have, I mean, it, it's just like it's on and on. And as far as taking care of uh, our front yards, uh, they have people that actually will put stuff that's eco-friendly for all the butterflies and and they they just want to put rocks in the front yard and there's natural habitat butterflies all up and down the california coast and there is people that will actually uh go about that and and put what's already here in their front yards and it's beautiful and it helps the environment and i also want to comment that the our military protects so much land along the coast and so many bird sanctuaries uh you know wetlands all up and down, down Orange County, all the way to San Diego. If it wasn't for our military, it would be just, it would be just beachfront property, and it would be a nightmare. So I want to commend our military for preserving 
you know, a lot of nature. And that's right, really Ted. what I want. All right. Appreciate that, Ted. Earlier, we were talking about the, um, you know, replacing your lawn with different things and the trade-off. Uh, we had some conversation about the trade-off environmentally. You know, one of the big things about the propellers, I'm not a big fan of the whole wind thing. I think we should put everything in the solar, and there's a lot of work to do even with that, but solar seems to make sense to me. You know, in uh, off the coast of New Jersey, they're putting in one of those wind farms way out in the ocean, and uh, they think it's killing whales, that some it's messing up their their something like their their radar or something and it's what 30 something whales i think have been have washed up on the shores it's a huge number of whales uh where they're putting that in i think it is there's something you know electric or something then the the whole work of that that is uh causing these whales to die it's a terribly sad story 888-528-2557 open line friday 888-528-2557 jackie and compton welcome to the pastor scott show hi pastor scott I was calling in, I was listening to your show this week, and you were talking about what do you do good spiritually. Yeah, we asked that question one day. Yeah, Yeah, and I heard that, and it was really hard for me to answer that question. Mm. I was like, wow, it's like I could look at all the bad that I'm doing, like I'm not doing this enough, I'm not doing that enough. But I prayed about it, and when I prayed about it, I realized that, I'm in the right place. God has me in the right place. I have seven grandchildren, and um, I'm very involved in their life. I really am. I'm, I practically see them every day. I pick them up from school. I do a lot of things for my family. And I'm not bragging. It's just it's, it's my heart. Mm-hmm. And now that I heard that, I'm, that this week is coming up, going out week, I saw it on Facebook. I didn't want to believe that. I was like, no, this is ridiculous. I did not want to believe that. And I see that, and I say, wow, Lord, because I bring my my grandchildren, their dad doesn't believe in God, but I bring them to church. I He allows me to, which is great, and that's because of God. That's not because of me, because I prayed for that. He yeah. allows me to pray with them. And I see this now, what's going on, and I say, wow, Lord. So I feel like, like sometimes I feel like, wow, this is such a small thing, but now I realize it's a big thing. It's, it's seven baby seven grandkids that i have and they always come up to me and ask me questions about things yeah my older granddaughter she questioned me about can can a boy be a a girl she just questioned me two weeks ago right and i and i said where'd you get that from and she told me school yep and and i told her no baby remember there's only male and female remember the bible remember and she's like she came up to me after that she's like you know what bob she thank you Thank you, because I was getting really confused. But yeah. now I see what you said. Well, and that's the so that's I just what wanted to share that. I appreciate that. And, and if you were if you you didn't know a couple of days ago we asked the question, you know, what are you doing well spiritually? We usually talk about what we struggle with, but what are you doing well? And I'm glad you thought right. about that because I think, Jackie, it's important to realize that number one, we're not perfect. We're always gonna have struggles, whatever they are, we yeah. all have them. But there's also things that God is doing well. And what you're saying about your your grandkids and being involved in their life, they need you because they're getting full you know, how do you even talk to a kid who's seven, eight, nine know. years old about any know. of this? Of course, they're it's so bizarre that we want to do yeah. that, and there's nothing right about it at all. Uh, yeah. Jackie, thanks for calling. I want to try to get to at least another call here. Beverly in L.A., welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, Beverly, you with us? Oh, hi, I'm sorry. I, just, I didn't hear my name. No worries. Go ahead, Beverly. I, I want to talk about what you were talking about, the transgender. Stuff is happening in the public school. The curriculum for next week. 
is I'm a public school teacher and I work with the youngest children in the school districts. I got involved with the National Education Association and there's where that all starts from. And all it is is a yes or no vote with the, with about 2,000 teachers from the nation. Yes. Predominantly, mo- most of them were passing all of this stuff. There was only about a quarter of the people that were voting no. The and teachers' unions do not represent vote. teachers. They don't. Mm, on these no. is- on these issues. And I was involved, and I was a, and I was involved with the union. Yeah. They don't. They have their own. They have their own agenda. Yeah. And most of and I want people to be aware that they really need to be involved with their children's education and see what's being taught because you are their parents and they you do have a voice for them. You have to get involved though because without you being involved in, in learning what's being taught, they're they, they're getting away from the the with with for the children to learn. Okay, they're indoctrinating them. That we're going to have a bunch of kids that can't read yeah. because of the way they teach. And that it's not okay. Yeah, Beverly, I'm almost I'm almost out of time. Are you still teaching or are you retired? Yes, no, I'm still teaching. You're still teaching. So, I mean, everybody everybody needs to hear. Beverly, I'm almost out of time, Beverly. Beverly's in the school system now, and she's telling you to be careful about what your kids are being taught, that they're indoctrinating. Beverly, you know better than everybody what is going on here, and I appreciate you calling about yes. this. Thank you. Thank you for what you do. All right. I'm going to pray for you real quick, Beverly, and then we got to go. Okay, God, I thank you for Beverly. Give her wisdom and all the other teachers who know that this isn't right uh, this week in particular as they are being uh, requested to uh, to participate in some curriculums they know are wrong, especially like Beverly uh, with the young kids. In Jesus' name, amen. Beverly, thanks for calling the Pastor Scott So, Charlie, I won't get to your call. We're out of time. You can follow us at Pastor Scott Show, Facebook, Twist. Uh, a Twister or Twitter. Don't go to Twister. X, Twitter, or Instagram at Pastor Scott Show. You can follow me there right now. And you can get the podcast of this episode. Just look for the Pastor Scott Show wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody have a great weekend. I'll see you on Monday. God bless. Good night. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.